100% born in the Appalachian Mountains and made in the USA, Timber Ninja Outdoors provides a range of mobile hunting options to accommodate diverse hunting preferences. Whether you prioritize comfort, lightweight design, or versatility, their two-panel and single-panel saddles collection has something for everyone. The Black Belt Nano is the lightest single-panel saddle available on the market, weighing in under a pound. The saddle is designed with the minimalist hunter in mind, focusing on lightweight functionality and breathability. One notable feature is the patent-pending magnetic stick clip system on the side, which allows for convenient transportation of sticks up the tree, as well as a built-in platform holder. The Nano Saddle can be folded up to the size of a Nalgene bottle, enabling easy portability. With a four-way stretch material on the back for a comfortable fit, as well as strategically placed padding for hip pinch relief. You can use code EASTMEETSWEST to get free shipping on any Timber Ninja order. If you try it out and don't like it, send it back within 30 days for a full refund. Learn more at TimberNinjaOutdoors.com and sign up for their email newsletter for exclusive discounts and product drops. When it comes to optics, I get the same question over and over again. What are the best all-around binoculars? Well, it's tough to find something that works in every condition great, but after using a pair of Maven B1.2 10x42s, I think I found them. They feature an 8x or a 10x option, superior low light performance, tack sharp edge-to-edge clarity, a generous depth of field, and a silky focus mechanism. All of Maven Optics have a lifetime no-fault warranty and hail from the great state of Wyoming. I've been using Maven Optics since I bought my first pair in 2017, and I think you should test them out for yourself. Head over to mavenbuilt.com and use the code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT for a free gift with any full price optics order. For all of those that want a truck bed cover for work or play, Diamondback makes the top of the line heavy duty covers that help you do more with your truck. They're perfect for the truck owning, avid sportsmen, outdoor enthusiasts, and weekend project warriors. I'm currently using the HD cover that can is capable of holding up to 1,600 pounds on the top. And then I have the Yakima overhaul HD bars on top so I can put my rooftop tent on it. When I'm not using my rooftop tent and able to use the trifold design of the Diamondback, I have the Crossbin 8 in there to organize all of my stuff in the back of my truck bed. Diamondback is made right here in Phillipsburg, Pennsylvania. If you want to check them out, head over to diamondbackcovers.com. If you've wanted that hunting camp tradition that we talk about, that experience, but you don't have a hunting camp of your own, you're welcome to come stay at my hunting camp up here in the Pennsylvania wilds called the Elk Crossing Getaway in the PA wilds. So if you go over to Airbnb, you can check out our three-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath house that's right in the heart of Pennsylvania elk country. It's only minutes away from a bunch of public land to be able to hunt, hiking trails, outdoor recreation, fishing, all of those things there. The house is completely fully stocked with everything that you need to be able to, to spend a week hunting deer, taking your family up to see the elk, anything like that. So if you head over to Airbnb and search Elk Cross and Getaway in the PA Wilds, you'll find my listing there and you can rent out my house to send us a message and inquiry that you're interested in it and mention that you heard it on the podcast here, then we'll get you 10% off of your first day. Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. 
Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt Podcast presented by Spartan Forge. On today's episode, I am joined by Brett Joy of Just Hunt Club. So Brett is normally on here talking about mountain bucks, uh, but this year, or well, I guess this spring, he is here to discuss his quest from 2022 where he had a single season Northeast Turkey Slam. So we talk about the turkey populations, different landscapes, trends between the states, and some deep discussions around hunting ethics and our thought process and how we think of things as they come up. So it's a pretty pretty good conversation. Uh, it has some tactic-based stuff to turkey hunting, but really it's, it's, a, it's a bigger deeper conversation than that and a lot of stories around it so hope you enjoy it and um, yeah enjoy this podcast with brett on this week's mountain buck monday story of the week we have a story coming from jason jack out of maine jason wrote in i love the podcast being born and raised maine hunter it's about time someone started talking about the big woods on a larger scale there's a romance to it that only those who have embraced it can really understand I killed this 2022 Maine buck on November 16th in the middle of a mild nor'easter we got. The storm rolled in during the pre-dawn as snow, and after dropping about four inches, it turned to freezing rain around midday. The stand is mostly an evening setup, so after hunting a different spot in the morning, I slipped in just after 1 p.m. Here's the skinny. East-facing slope, hardwood, softwood edge at the bottom with a 100-yard wide by half mile long ish flat bench before it dumps into a stream and i'm sitting right on the bottom southeast edge of that bench i had observed multiple bucks over the past four years cruising the softwood edge in the flat i named the strip right around the middle of november every year and after tweaking my setup and approach multiple times since i finally felt like i was in the kill tree not gonna lie once i was in the stand and freezing rain was coating everything in ice with some good wind gusts coming out of the north, I was questioning my my sanity, but it all paid off at about 3.20 p.m. when I looked up and caught this guy cruising through the timber out of the north with his nose to the ground and headed right for me. He stopped at about 50 yards to smell a sapling and I took the shot. He's a nice heavy horned eight point and weighed in at 180 pounds. Not my biggest home state buck, but he has everything I'm looking for in a good main deer, and I couldn't be happier with how it all played out. Well, Jason, that's a beautiful buck, and uh, just look like a what what I would expect is like a just a heavy antlered, heavy bodied looking northeastern deer, dark antlered. Love those big woods bucks like that, and and so congratulations on it. Anybody wants to check out Jason's buck, and the the story is just awesome too. The fact that I, I can picture those types of days where it goes from snow to freezing rain and you really got to want it to be able to stay out there. But if you want to check out those uh, photos of his buck, you can head over to East Meets West Hunt on Instagram or East Meets West Outdoors on Facebook. Give us a follow over there and check out any of the Mountain Buck Monday posts. They're all over there and uh, you can check them out. But with that being said, uh, no real... Other news this week, got the scouting camp coming up this weekend. Really pumped about that. So just full bore into that. And um, yeah, I hope everyone has a great rest of your week. All right. I believe we're live. Brett Joy, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me back. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, to get to talk to you again. So we're recording on um, a new podcast platform here, I guess, Riverside, it's called. It's supposed to be better quality, but I'm just figuring out as we go here, and it seems like everything's working, so uh, uh, that that seems good. But Brett has uh, been on the podcast, I think, three times in the past, if I remember right, and we were always talking whitetails, and... This time I kind of wanted to talk a little bit of turkeys. I was watching some videos on Just Hunt Club, which Brett's a part of on YouTube, and I was watching him shoot some turkeys last year, and uh, I was like... Brett is a, a turkey fanatic, and uh, it, you know I, I just always think of you as the whitetail guy, but you're you seem to be just as much into turkeys as you are deer. Yeah, for it's weird because, like, I don't know, eight months out of the year, all I think about is whitetails, and then like something happens in the spring, and I like black out, and it's like it gets really bad for a period of time, like real bad the point where like, I can't, I have to like hunt every day. It's like an addiction. It gets really, really bad. Whitetails is like a longer, slower burn, but that turkey season gets real intense. And I just get, I mean, the point where I don't, I can't even, like, I can't sleep past like 4am. I have to, I have to go hunting. I have to get up. And I'm like, I'm sleeping in tomorrow. And the next day it's like, I'm up. And I'm like, I gotta go. I think I have some serious like FOMO because the season's so short that like, I just can't give a, give the time up. And I do love it. I think it's like whitetails are, you know, I love the process. The, I love the whole process the most. For turkeys, I love the act, like the actual act of hunting them. And it's not that I don't for whitetails, but it's like that's what I yeah. really enjoy. Like I don't do much for turkeys the rest of the year. I know there's some turkey fanatics, so that's all I think about year-round. But I definitely have this switch that goes on and off between whitetails and turkeys. So, But when it's on for turkeys, it's pretty strong. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess too, like the, the whitetail turkey thing, like for, for whitetails, I mean, let's, let's be honest, sitting in a tree day after day, all day yeah. during the rut, not seeing deer isn't always that fun <laughs> where at least nope. turkeys, you can be running around a little bit. Yeah. And I, I, I enjoy the turkey hunting aspect more than I do the actual hunting of the deer, but I like right. the process of the entire process of the deer and the scouting and all of that. And that's what like brings it all together for me personally. Yeah, no, I agree. That's kind of what I'm getting at. And I think, uh, the other thing with turkeys is, you know, when I'm deer hunting, I usually have a camera guy, but so I'm not always alone, but, um, you can turkey out with other people a lot easier. I think like pop in for a day for morning, have a successful hunt. Um, it seems like we don't go too many days in a row usually without killing a turkey as well. So there's always that prospect. You're always like have action. Like every day is like a good day and something happens. Um, and you can experience that with other people. Whereas for deer, I mean, I just, I pretty solitary other than, you know, sometimes we'll do drives or still hunt group still hunts, but, uh, you know, other than the camera guy, um, it's pretty solitary and you don't really get to hunt with a bunch of people you talk to. Like you and me have never deer hunted together, but we're definitely turkey hunt together in one day and have a great experience. Right. But it's hard to yeah. do the, the same thing for, for deer. Um, so I enjoy that. I enjoy like just the group setting too. And, um, I don't think people get as weird about turkeys either as like deer. Like people get really weird about deer and big <laughs> deer and spots. And not that I guess there's some people that hide their turkey spots too. I'm not going to try to broadcast everybody, but that's more just because I don't want like the resource to be blown up and like spots to be completely blown up. But like, you know, if I have a friend, I don't mind sharing pins or helping him out. I think deer, it's just a little bit different. So it seems like more of a, uh, 
more camaraderie with the turkey thing, I think, in general, um, at least from my perspective. And it's just fun. And, you know, it's also about the relationship with the bird, um, the action you have, the interaction, but then also with the people that you do it with. So, yeah, it's just, yeah. it's, they're just two different things. No, they, no, they definitely are. And it's, it's weird. Like, I, I, I get, I get, I have ups and downs with turkeys. Like I, I feel like there'll be years where I'm just so into them and all I want to do is hunt turkeys and I'm up every single morning before work and going out and getting after it. And then there'll be like a year where I just, I'm not fully in it and I don't know why, but that's just me personally. I just go on these like waves with turkeys. Um, and, and, um, like last year I spent most of turkey season out West hunting spring bears, but it's just like, I, I do love it from that aspect that you just said is like getting to go out with my dad and go out or with some of my buddies and you can meet up with people and you just go run around and have, you yeah. know, have fun. And it's just, it's, it's a different, a different type of experience than deer hunting. I think sure. as we're talking through this, I don't, when we're turkey hunting sometimes, I don't mind of like, Hey, we're going to, uh, Hey, it's eight o'clock, but eh, we haven't struck anything. Let's go get breakfast or let's go get a coffee or let's shoot the shit. Like, I don't feel that pressure, like to kill a turkey. Like, and you know, I'm not to do with the deer, but I think to myself, this could be the one day if I am not out there that I miss my opportunity at this one buck. Right. So like, I feel like I can't miss, or I, this is way more pressure. And it's like, I, I put pressure on myself and I'm like, I got to do what I got to do with the turkeys. It's like, well, you know, cause just as well strike one at 11 and kill them, you know, at 1130 or in the afternoon or just go after tomorrow. And, you know, it's not like you're hunting one Turkey. And I've actually tried that before in my Have days you? and I absolutely hate it. Like I'll never <laughs> do that. I, I just, I hate, that's like the last thing I want to do. Like for me, if it's a, has a full fan and it's a Tom, like I don't care what it, I don't know if you're, if it's has a six inch beard and it's 13 pounds or it's, you know, the biggest Turkey in the world. I really don't care. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely different on that. And, um, and kind of, they all kind of look the same for turkeys, like for them more or less, you know, so it's tough to, uh, <laughs> to identify a, a, a gobbler and like just only chase him. So, um, yeah, I, I, it's almost like whatever I don't do in deer hunting, I do in turkey hunting and vice versa. Like I just, you know, like I, it's funny cause I think it's, you know, I can sit in a tree for 10 days straight, dark to dark for deer. I cannot sit on a tree for more than 15 minutes for a turkey. Like I'm the most aggressive hunter. I will not sit there. I will not wait unless it's like the only, I know I have to, and that's hundred percent the move. But if I have an opportunity to move trees or crawl or go to a different bird or shift on them, I'm, that's how I, how I hunt those things. So it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 uh, that is kind of funny. And, and I guess I didn't really think of it that way until you're, you're saying that, but I think that's what does make turkey hunting fun is like not like we get obsessed with single deer. You get really obsessed with single deer. I know that for a fact because <laughs> you and I text all yeah. hunting season and, uh, and like, and that's fun in its own respect, but there's also that aspect of like, okay, I want to kill a gobbler that's going to have a beard and a full fan. And, yeah. you know, I walk up to him and he's got inch and a quarter spurs. Hell yeah. If he's got yeah, seven, cool. eights, well, that's sweet. I don't too, even care know? if he has a beard and, spurs to be honest like if he's just if he gobbles and he's a two-year-old bird that's all i care about yeah yeah i i totally i totally agree and and um i i don't know i got recently i've been getting more excited for turkeys again because it seems like at least in the areas i'm in that the population is coming back a little bit 
uh, I yeah. just in my out scouting, I've been seeing gobblers and I'm like, and just seeing birds last year, I kind of thought that was going to happen where I was seeing a ton of jakes and now they're, you know, maturing into good two-year-olds and it's gets me excited to, to be able to, to see that. And cause when I was younger, it was like, it was no, my, when I was 12, I think I missed three long beards before I killed a Jake, like with my dad. And then, you know, cause it was like, there was gobblers on every ridge to chase. And then as, you know, as of recent, it's even tough to find one, uh, around here, it seems like. So, and, and now I don't put a ton of time into it, but I spend so much time in the woods deer scouting that, you know, I run into turkey sign or turkeys, uh, you know, inadvertently, but now seeing that coming back a little bit. And when I was down in West Virginia scouting and finding a bunch of turkey sign, like that had me fired up. Cause it's, there's, there's nothing like one of those, those spring mornings when, when you hear them on the roost and just like the whole Valley lights up and you're on a Ridge and you can just hear them on all these points. It just gets me fired up. You touch upon something there is you get these really good hatch years. Um, when you didn't, you know, that following year, you see a bunch of jakes. Um, well, I guess not the following year. It's the same year. It's the following year after they're bred. But um, anyway, yeah, those deer, those years after you see all those jakes, they're really, really fun because, you know, those two-year-old birds are kind of the dumbest birds in the woods. Um, I shouldn't say that. Jakes are definitely dumber than two-year-olds, but they're the dumbest mature birds in the woods, and they gobble. It seemed like they gobble the hardest, and they're super fun to hunt, so... Yeah. I mean, I can't, you can't beat a hard goblin two-year-old turkey. Um, so, uh, yeah, those are some good years. And I think we're, we've been, yeah, we, I see it everywhere though. It's like every year, you know, we travel a fair amount. We see a bunch of jakes the next year. That year is just awesome. So, yeah. Makes sense. No, it definitely does. But, and, and even now too, like Elise and PA, they're kind of like all together at this point. They'll start breaking up here in the coming weeks a little bit, but it's fun to see yeah. that, you know, I was out scouting the other day and oh, saw yeah. a bunch of gobblers together long beards and, and of course they're dumb when it's not the season and you know you can walk pretty close to them and they're not doing anything and it's just like uh no no well but yeah last year you had um you had what was it you went for the single season northeast slam explain what that is well, I don't know if it's really a thing. Or you created kind of made it up. I, 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 hey, I'm I'm bought in, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was somewhere I've been. I was talking to buddies for you know a number of years, and um, you know how it came about. And like I said, it's not actual a thing. Um, I don't know. I guess what is a thing? I guess it's a thing if you make it a thing. It's a thing for us, but um, and I don't know if anybody's done it before. I've never heard about it. Maybe they have. Maybe they haven't. Who knows? But um. Uh, we just, we travel a lot within the Northeast to hunt turkeys. Um, and the thing that we like the most about the Northeast is be, is all the tags are relatively cheap considered, you know, all things considered. And they're all over the counter with the exclusion of New Jersey. And we left New Jersey out. And I, I think there could be a case to be made that New Jersey's a mid-Atlantic state. So I'll say that, even though it's probably Northeast. Um, so we, we excluded New Jersey just because they have all this funky tag system. And you have to apply ahead of time. And then you get like a tag for like weekend tags and week tags. And I just, it wasn't like, it didn't embody like for what the slam was for us, which is like over-the-counter tags, cheap tags, close states, and really, really accessible turkeys on both public and private land. Um, so 
you know, every spring we travel around, we hunt multiple States and I was like, let's just do them all in one spring. See if we can pull it off. Cause we've never really tried to put an emphasis on that. We just end up where we end up. And if we have time to do another state and we're successful, we'll go buy a tag, keep bouncing around. So we've talked about it for a while, but you know, it's like, and I kind of realized, I knew that it would kind of be like this. And I touched upon it kind of in our series. Um, it's kind of selfish for like, I felt selfish doing it because I took time away from like other guys and our just on clubs hunting so that I could go kill another Turkey in a different state. So I didn't love that aspect of it. Um, but it would be, it was, it was cool to see like, can we do this? Um, and you know, we got to, I get to hunt a fair amount. So I think that's a big thing. You need time to do it obviously, but, um, we kind of accumulated spots and knowledge knowledge in all these different States. And we're like, all right, let's just go bang, 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 bang type of thing. And, uh, we did it. And I'm, I would say that just because of the time I have and the knowledge we have, everything was relatively easy except for Rhode Island was a struggle. That was the one state that was, uh, a little bit worrisome. And I didn't know if we we're going to get, and it was at the point at one point, maybe the second week of the season. Right? And I was waking up and hunting there before work actually too. So I was driving down to Rhode Island, which is not a super short drive. So getting up at like 3 a.m. and getting my butt whooped. And I didn't really have that many spots. I had like scouted it like years before. So I didn't have much. I was trying to network with people. And that's how I ended up actually finding the turkeys that I killed. But it was uh, it was a struggle. Uh, Rhode Island is just a tiny little state geographically. So there's just not much opportunity because there's not much landmass there. Um, and the, the habitat on public land is pretty poor in general for turkeys and there's turkeys there. Don't get me wrong, but it's just a, it's a tough one. Um, so, um, yeah, and I didn't really have any good, like private spots or whatever, um, to hunt. So we ended up hunting mostly public. Uh, so yeah, it was, uh, the, the goal was to kill one in all the new England States. So Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut. Um, and leave any out that I know. I think that's Pennsylvania. All. And then. Yeah, and then we well, yeah. So then we included New York and PA and the Northeast. Uh, so that's okay. what we considered. Yeah, so it was New England plus the the New York PA. So like I said, that Jersey. Yeah, you can. And hey, yeah, <laughs> I didn't do Jersey, so that leaves the door open for someone else to actually do it legit and, and go do Jersey too. <laughs> so and I don't know. Maybe someone's already done this. Or maybe someone that, you know, it's not on social media or whatever does it every year. I have no idea. But it wasn't really about that. It's just let's just you know show what the northeast can do and see if we can pull this off and you can it's that easy like just to bounce around like i mean i don't know if there's a if you took 10 eight states right anywhere else in the country that are attached to each other and tried to do them all in one year i think that would be it'd be really challenging um to do all that so um you know it's just because just because everything's more spread out tags are more expensive um you know it's turkeys are harder to find we have good turkey hunting in the northeast and all in a relatively tight area so yeah so that was the slam and then we you know want to do it in one season obviously if you stretch it out over time it's not so much as a challenge but yeah yeah that and and what's what's interesting uh about that first of all is like i've always you and i have uh you know we've known each other for quite a while now and like i've always liked what you've done and then as you became a part of like the just hunt club and like hunting the northeast like that's you know kind you know as Pennsylvania is kind of at the bottom of that, but I consider like all of that. We're very, very similar. And like, and I think it's super cool that, that you're show showcasing that aspect of it. Cause it's, 
it's uh i mean you've hunted all over the country like the northeast is not the easiest place to to hunt for anything really and uh but it's it's cool to see that and and see you know get after it in all those different states and and do it but was and the other thing you know you said you had a lot of time but at the same time i do know it's not like i mean this you work you have another job oh, you yeah, have multiple yeah. you have a lot of things going on and uh but you're you're doing a lot of it in short you know, periods of time, like we're yeah, recording I, this and I, you just got back from Alabama for a weekend hunt. Like, you know, you're, yeah. you're, you're making, you're making short amount of times, you know, work in your favor. Yeah. I think what I said by, or what I mean by I had more time is I have the ability to hunt at least three of these States before work. Um, because, and that's just another, re, it, they're just so close. Like these States are so close to each other. Like I can get to them and get back to work at, you know, at night, eight, nine o'clock in the morning sometimes. Um, and get, you know, what I need to do done. Whereas if I were to, you know, say I lived in, you know, Oklahoma and I wanted to hunt in Kansas or Nebraska, I'd have to drive for maybe eight hours to get there. I couldn't do it before work, right? Yeah. It's just not feasible. So I'd have to take all that time off. And like, you can do that around here with minimal time. I probably ended up taking maybe a week off total to do this. Um, but even a lot of times I was driving to States hunting like in the morning and then work, get coming back and working that afternoon type of thing. Um, but yeah, I don't, it's not like I just hunted for a month straight. I didn't yeah. like I worked for sure. And I have family and kids, so I have that stuff to do as well. But you know, I, I feel like i made a pretty good use of my time, I guess when, when I took it. So. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And where, so what is the earliest state that you can start in? Like what's the time frame? and what state is that? Uh, Massachusetts, Massachusetts, it depends on the year, of course, but it's, well, it doesn't depend on the year when it opens, but when the day is, but it starts, uh, the last Monday in April. Um, so last year, I don't remember when it was, I think it was probably the 28th or something, 27th this year. I think it's a bit earlier. Uh, let's see, I got a map here this year. It's the 24th. So maybe it was the 26th. I don't know. It's, it's the last week in April. So you get that opens and then um connecticut i believe rhode island all those three states come in the last week in april and then the rest are may 1st sometimes maine gets bumped to like the second or third because i think there's just a mm, i'm not sure exactly on maine i think it was like the second last year so they, they all come in in a short period so you can't be like super efficient like time it so it's like well this is open i'll hunt there for four days and this it's like no like three come in and then they're all in and then just it's like go 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 and then all of them are done, um, you know, well, I shouldn't say all of them. Most of them are done like around the end of May. Maine goes into June a little bit. Mass ends a little bit earlier because it opens earlier, but they're all within the same time frame. So it's not like you can start hunting in March and, you know, knock off a couple, three states a month type of thing. You got to do it all, you know, in a, a short period of time. Yeah. And you get into that. That's a tough period too with like the foliage as you're starting to get foliage on all the trees getting into May, you know, as you're starting in the, the later part of May, at least I know in Pennsylvania it gets, yeah. it starts to get pretty thick. Yeah. The, you know, it seems to me like I don't see a in, increase in difficulty of hunting as the season goes on. And I'll tell you why um, earlier in the season, it seems like the birds gobble more and harder and the more receptive. Um, but there's no foliage. So it's like easy, but since they're so receptive and they gobble so hard, it's easier to call them a longer distance because you can't get as close to them with the foliage and you got to get them to come across open areas. Um, but then later in the season, 
the foliage allows you to get really tight to them. Um, before, I mean, sometimes you only have to call them, well, sometimes you have to call them out, you almost sneak up to them because it's so thick and you get up on them. But like, you know, a lot of instances you can get within 50, 60 yards of a bird before you sit down. And then he only has to come 10 yards for you to kill him or maybe 20 yards. So the foliage helps you, you know, in that regard. And they do definitely gobble less and it's ta- tapering off as the, the month goes on. But you do get some really awesome days later in the season where there's birds that are super fired up and there's all the hens are bred and it's like, and you have the foliage and it's like, you know, it's, it becomes pretty awesome in those periods. So, um, yeah, the foliage is, it helps you get close without getting busted, but it comes with the fact that the birds usually aren't as hot, but they can yeah. be, it's all, you know, relative and it, it varies. Yeah. And it's, and it's, I know it's like, at least in my experience, it's been, it's difficult to locate them later because you can't hear them as far away. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but sure. once you do hear them, you're in the game for the most part. Like you're like, I, yes. I remember, I think the latest yeah. I killed one was Memorial day in PA and it was like, but, and I also noticed that it was like later in the mornings, like that time frame is when I've done better at that time of year, at least for me personally. And it's like, once you get one fired up at that time, he's coming in for the most part. Have you ever wanted to have Levi Morgan, Andy May, Johnny Stewart, and others available at all times? Well, you can with CyberScout from Spartan Forge. CyberScout is like the chat GPT for outdoors men and women. You can ask it any questions related to bow building, scouting, hunting, survival, and a whole lot more. I think you'll be impressed with how it responds. CyberScout is currently out now for a select group of early beta testers and will be available to the rest of you really soon. The entire app is a complete tool for planning your hunt with incredible aerial imagery mapping, journaling, deer prediction, and some of the most accurate and detailed weather data. Use the code East Meets West to save 20%. And if you're still on the fence, give the 14-day free trial a chance at SpartanForge.ai. CVA has been America's number one selling muzzleloader brand for over a decade. Hunting with a muzzleloader opens up a ton of hunting opportunities across the U.S. And I've been using the Acura series. But they don't only make badass muzzleloaders. Their line of centerfire rifles are great quality and not terrible on the wallet. The Cascade Short Barrel is ideal for tight quarters, deer drives, and quick shots in the big woods. You can check out their line of muzzleloaders, rifles, and accessories for every season and every range at bpioutdoors.com slash CVA. If you use the code EASTMEETSWEST10, you'll get 10% off of all CVA products, which includes rifles, muzzleloaders, and accessories. Yeah, that's the thing with yeah, I I would agree with that. Late season, it's like it's tougher to find them. When you do find one, you have a pretty good shot. The other thing we do um, is I try to head further and further north the later it gets, and then higher in elevation because the spring is kind of later, further north and up high. And it seems like you get some of these birds that are maybe like a little bit behind in the route, not behind. They're on time for you know the the spring, but the spring is later, so they're in a earlier you know phase of the breeding cycle um we've had good luck of you know doing that um so some of the stuff we hunt late in the season is like the mountains um like you know up above three thousand feet stuff like that and you i mean it's barely even greening up up there where you have full foliage in late may and early june um down low like you can it's funny you'll look at some of these mountains you can you've probably seen it out west but like you can see the green line 
of where the green up starts and stops. You'll sit there and look at the mountain. You're like the top third is like completely, you know, gray or brown, and then the bottom's fully leafed out, and then you see that line. So, um, I I feel I feel like that makes a, an impact as well. And then as you get north, right, northern part of New England or wherever, it's the spring is later, so the birds are, you know, acting different um, than the birds that are, you know, in southern New England. So. You can always kind of bounce around and change up your scenario if things aren't working for you, which is, you know, works out nice. Yeah. And, and that, I mean, you may also brought up a good point is like, there's such a varying terrain and landscape throughout the Northeast. I mean, you have some places in New Hampshire and stuff that are some real high mountain type stuff. Like, you know, if anybody's listened to you on here in the past talking about deer hunting, you're hunting at some pretty high elevations at times and you can even get to like tree line in places there. And, you know, where, as you go into some other areas, you might be in some lower land country. And just even for me watching some of the videos of you last year, it's like there, you were hunting turkeys in a bunch of different landscapes. Yeah. It's uh it's super diverse and you can kind of manipulate like what's going on. Some of the stuff hunts better at different periods of the spring. Like, you know, if I'm, I don't want to be hunting like big timber and like densely wooded areas that birds are hand up because like you don't, you can't, you can't necessarily move as well and you can't see like, for example, if, if I know birds are like in the middle of a field or they're in a big long field, right. And they're with hens and they're going the other way. I can like, it's pretty predictable. They're going to go along that field and take that route to travel. Right. So I can duck in the woods, come out on the other side of the field, get in front of them. Hopefully that's not too bad having that truck drive there, drive there. But, um, you just have more ability to move and see the birds It's more of a visual game. Um, but if you're in the timber and they go the other way, they can kind of go anywhere and it's tough to move without, you don't know if you're going to bump into them. Um, I think they're just more predictable in like the open country. So, um, but you know, if birds are super hot, then I kind of want to be in the timber because you can call them in the gun range pretty easy because they have to come looking for you. They can't just come up to a field and like, you know, scan the field and be like, Oh, I hear a yelp, a hen yelping, but I don't see her and she should be over there in the timber. They have to come in and, you know, actually look for you. And by the time they see you in most of the places that I hunt, they're within gun range. So it works out better. So yeah, super diverse, um, you know, high mountains to like killed one right along the river and or a couple actually right along in a river bottom. So, um, and it's fun too. I think that's the other thing about the Northeast is you have a variety of like landscapes that you can hunt turkeys in and deer too. But, um, I just don't hunt as many different ones during deer, but Turkey you hunt everything from like, you know, mountains to farms to river bottoms, big timber, um, suburbia, some suburban stuff too was mixed in so yeah it's uh it's cool to change it up and just get a different flavor and different view you know uh, depending on the day and what you're in the mood for and what phase of the season is is in yeah uh, I, but um I'll, I'll get back to that in a second but you just made me think of something you know how difficult it would be to try to do a single season northeast slam for deer <laughs> like <laughs> yeah especially if you're looking to kill i mean maybe if you're trying to kill a deer, even that would honestly yeah that's what i challenge like, any any deer like six button bucks or eight button bucks in eight different states <laughs> would be a challenge never mind like i don't i mean if you could do it with mature deer holy crap you really yeah something. but i, I don't mean, think i could even if you hunt it every day that would be hard yeah you know? i mean i thought because i i've i've like i want to and as i've told you before like i want to hunt more of the northeast states but the problem is like you can't do more yeah. than a couple in a season because nope. it takes too long to if you really want to yeah. focus on it and try to shoot a quality deer like or w- what your goal is like it's just so hard yeah it's i mean that's 
The only thing I can think you could potentially do it is you got tracking snow for like the good part of the gun seasons. You could probably, I, the thing is, is most of these areas don't get tracking, like good tracking snow consistently, but that's the only thing I could think because you can kind of get it done like in a day with tracking snow. But like, other than that, yeah, if you had to scout and like sit in a stand and put the time in or even still hunt, yeah, I don't think you're doing it. But with turkeys, like that's the cool, other the cool thing about turkeys is like, I can go to an area on a map that looks like it has a good turkey habitat. I know it's in a county or a unit that has a good turkey kill. And I can get on birds when I've never been there and kill a turkey, you know, within an hour of being there sometimes, you know, that's the, the beauty of it. So like, that's kind of what I was alluding to. You're always in the action. You're always like either killing a turkey or, you know, and I shouldn't say that we're obviously have a lot of experience and we've been doing it a long time. So our success rate is probably a little bit higher than like someone that's just beginning or doesn't turkey on as much. We're, you know, pretty experienced at it, but, but the bottom line is you can be in the action, um, you know, with a little bit of knowledge of habitat and, you know, what turkeys like almost every single day where, you know, deer, it's like, it could take you two weeks of scouting to even find a good area that's worth putting your time. Whereas I can find it on a map and go there in an hour and hear a bird gobble. So, and then who knows what's going to happen after that. So yeah, it's just, uh, it's different for sure. But, uh, yeah. So what, so much fun. (laughs) What was your process for that? I know you've hunted some of these States in the past, but like, how did you decide like where you were going to go? So we can run, I'll run through the States. Um, and I would say most of them were places that I've hunted before, except for Connecticut in Rhode Island. Actually, my New York bird was in the Adirondacks and I hadn't turkey on them before. So that was new. Um, like, so, and it's funny, the New Hampshire turkey I killed too was in an area that I killed too. But the first one that, you know, checked off New Hampshire was in an area I usually on turkey on, which I kind of did on purpose um, because I didn't want to, you know, make it like every single state was going to a proven area. Because that's the thing with turkeys. Like if you hunt a property enough or a public land piece enough, becomes way way easier to kill them right if you're experienced with that so i try to do that but then again i just was like well we got to try to kill eight birds in eight different states so i'm going to use any every advantage i can so like the first state was massachusetts and that's an area i've hunted for a long time so i love experience and it's just a really good area and that period of mass is super good with responsive birds it's like maybe the best period in all of new england is that first week in mass it's like especially the first two days it's like we call in multiple birds just hammering every day it's just it's awesome it's it's a lot of fun so that was you know an area that was i would say mixed woodland a little bit of dairy farm type stuff um in that area i mean mostly woods some bigger tracks of woods too but it was a little bit more mixed up than the stuff i usually have not really mountains hilly stuff um that was a mix of public and private lands where we hunt there um a lot of the uh, areas of mass you can hunt uh you can hunt private if it's not posted and then there's public mixed in and there's stuff we have permission on too so it's a mix of stuff i'm trying to remember i don't know the first actually the first bird i killed there was on public land or public access land like a, a open to the public hunting by a conservation organization type of thing yep. um so that was mass and then the next state was vermont that was on a river bottom in a hayfield that was on hub uh private land um open you know private um that was a uh an area that i'd hunted once before and it's just a river bottom it's got ag in it and it's just like perfect turkey stuff and there's a lot of turkeys in it so i knew about that before i'd I'd hunted there and killed a turkey in that area in the past maybe two years ago um 
Then we went to Maine. We we got done in Vermont so fast that I just ran to the closest place we were in. Uh, the closest place to Maine geographically um, that we could get to. So we just ran basically straight east across New Hampshire to get to Maine for the opening day. And then we were on a place that I had been on actually the year before, the year before and I found some turkeys and I missed one there. And there was a bunch of turkeys gobbling. That was a river bottom as well. So very similar to Vermont. Um, and we killed, killed in Maine there opening day. And then where did we go to next? That would have been probably, yeah, it was, was Rhode Island. Um, and that was, I mean, I was hunting everything I could trying to find a turkey. I ended up killing it on public land. Um, in an area that someone had given me a pin that they had hunted and killed turkeys on private land close by. Um, and those birds are actually on that private area when we heard them, but ended up on public later in the morning. We made a big giant move on them. Um, so I had no knowledge of that spot. Um, just kind of some, somebody's like, Hey, I killed a turkey here before and there's turkeys in the area. And I was like, let's go. Cause it was, it was a challenge. Um, Connecticut was, and that I guess was kind of a, that's eh, pretty much woods. There was a couple little fields in that area, but it's mostly woods and, and or Rhode Island where I killed. Connecticut was public again. I'd never been there. I actually was talking to somebody after we were driving to Connecticut to hunt because it was like early, early enough in the morning and you could hunt all day in Connecticut. And we're like, all right, let's go from Rhode Island to Connecticut. And we we're talking to some people because I hadn't really looked in, into this and that was kind of what i wanted to do i didn't want to do a bunch of scouting beforehand i just want to go and bounce because that's yep. what we do we don't like spend a ton of time scouting it's like oh let's go here and find turkeys so i remember we were talking to people and texting some buddies and they were like oh try this spot this public land spot there's, there's birds there earlier and we're like all right sounds good so we drove right there and um that was that was a river bottom as well actually so if you're taking anything away from this like look for waters and rivers and creeks like there's turkeys and in, in those types of bottoms or t- that type of habitat um so yeah, that one was on public on like a river bottom type area. And, uh, then we did New York, New York was, so we're, it was funny. We're hunting him on in the Adirondack park, which I don't feel like I'm giving anything away cause it's like 6 million acres. So it's not like <laughs> I'm blowing up. It's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm not really giving much away. 6 million acres is a huge area. So we'll say Northern New York, right. That kind of narrows it down a lot. Right. It's a big area. So, um, we were on turkeys and actually we hunted the first day, got on some birds, but didn't kill one. And, um, I wanted to go up there just because it was different. And I liked the Adirondacks and deer hunted the year before. I wanted to go back. We have some buddies that hunt there. So we kind of did like a turkey camp with them on public land. And we we're actually driving, going to trying to roost birds and two long beards ran across the road in front of me and went into a private piece. Um, and it was like right before dark and I'm like, Ooh, hold on. I've got a truck coming by. Hopefully it's not too loud because my phone still is hanging out the window trying to stay cool um so so we were driving by and two ran across the road i actually just was like well that's pretty good intel for the morning but i gotta get permission and i just drove into the guy's place and asked if i could turkey on the morning he's like yeah no problem so um that was a uh private land piece but i just got permission it was kind of neat how it worked out the guy was super nice and uh he had like an old sandy cleared clear cut behind his house i think his kids it was like an old like a dirt bike or or four-wheeler track area 
that he had you could tell he cleared and done some excavation. I don't know what he was really doing back there, but it was a pretty big, he probably had like 40 acres or something. And they were in the back of there. So that was, uh, that was kind of New York. And that's a, you know, that Adirondacks are like 99% forested. So, um, you know, any clearing that you can find in those big areas is going to have, we're not going to have turkeys, but there's a good chance they'll be around clearings. If you, in one of these huge forested areas, look for open areas. Um, and then New Hampshire was kind of like almost like at the base of a mountain. I just happened to, I saw that bird from the road. I hadn't turkey on it there. We were just kind of stretching the legs, going to some new areas because I kind of get sick of hunting the same ones over and over again. And I actually saw, I'm breeding a hen in a little field off the road and we made a move on him, kill him. That was on private. It was right on the edge. I'm not sure if I was actually on private or public slash conservation. And then last day was PA and that was on private. And that's just a old a dairy farm. I've had permission to hunt on for a long time and I've killed a bunch of turkeys there. So that wasn't a, there's was no question marks there. I was pretty, pretty confident and kind of knew the, the lay of the land. So uh, that's how it ran down, I guess. And it was all kind of yeah. different, you know, and that's the cool thing. It's not like, you see some recurring themes of open areas and like river bottoms, but, um, you know, turkeys live in all sorts of different habitat, um, up here. So, right. I shouldn't say habitat, habitat, they look for the same stuff, but different areas. Right. So, yeah, no, I, and, and what's interesting about that is, is, you know, I was going to ask you about like some of the, you know, if you did like research on populations yeah. in certain areas, but it sounds like, I mean, really a lot of it was just opportunity on like, for to be able to get there in a short amount of time yes. compared to yeah. other things. And you just kind of figured it out as you went and like found yeah. the turkeys, which I think that's really cool. And that's what we, that's what we do. And that's what, like, I wanted to do this in the same style that we typically hunt turkeys. So it's like fly by the seat of your pants, use any information you can get, grab a license, go when you have time, that type of thing. Um, and that's, so that's kind of what we did. Um, obviously I had a lot of prior knowledge in a lot of these spots. Um, but that's it, not any different than what I would normally do. Like if I'm like, like for PA example, I had that farm where I've killed, I think I actually, I so saw I'm, I'm gonna, some of my other buddies might hunt it this year. They're coming up from down South. And, um, I was like, so I was trying to give them pins of like areas that on this farm I've had seen turkeys. And I think I might've killed like six or seven turkeys off this farm. So like I've had a ton of experience on it, but like, and actually I was thinking if I, the next time I'm at PA, I was going to try to do some public land stuff, you know? in the mountains. So mm-hmm. I'll do that too. But like, if I had short time and only had like a day or two to hunt, I'd probably go right back to that farm and hunt where, you know, I know our turkeys cause I only get a day or two. If I get more time, I'll try to do something different. So that's kind of like representative on how we hunt them anyway, that if we, Hey, I know of the spot that's close by, we, we can get there quick. It's got birds. Let's go like that type of thing. But if we were going to plan it and that was kind of the Adirondack thing, I, you know, we needed more time. It's a little bit further away. Still not, terribly far i think it's probably four and a half hours five hours depends where you're going right um but i had allotted like a long weekend to that so i I felt pretty comfortable going on a public land hunt on you know a low turkey density area that wasn't close and i had no experience with because i had more time but if i had you know a day i'd have some you know dairy farm type stuff in new york that i've hunted in the past and i could probably get back on on for a day or so so it just depended on you know how things went and and whatnot and uh yeah i think we didn't i didn't want to scout beforehand you know like go and scout i obviously got information from people and talked to people yeah. and had an idea but i didn't want to like do that and it, you know i don't have time to scout eight states either like there's no way i could have so i was like let's just go and do it and see how it unfolds and you know the, the part of turkey another thing i like turkey is i never know where we're going to end up that day 
I'd have no idea when we wake up. We have a plan. Maybe we roosted a turkey. Maybe we didn't. And it just depends. Like, you know, uh, one of the things that always happens is it starts raining and the birds won't call. But, well, when that happens, we're going to go to the area when whatever state we're in that is the most open ground because turkeys go to open areas when it rains. So, like, that's what we're going to do. So we may end up, if it starts raining, we're driving two hours from here with a bunch of farm fields, right? And we're going to look for turkeys there because they won't gobble. And good luck finding a wet, non-gobbling turkey in the timber. Like, ain't going to happen. I mean, maybe, but <laughs> not a very good chance. So that's kind of uh, kind of what we did. So, yeah, it was fun. It's it's just a, about experiencing different landscapes, you know, the adventure of it, and just seeing a lot of stuff and having a great time. Yeah. No, that, that, that part is so is so cool and i think what you one thing you said was super relatable was the the thing that you said that was really relatable was that okay you know like about going to areas that you might know or you 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 definitely know like there's turkeys at like on the short periods of time and if you think about it like that's the way i always hunted turkeys before work like i'm going to areas that i know turkeys are at but if i wanted to like try a new area or maybe do a little bit of deer scouting while i was turkey hunting like checking out a new area that's my weekend stuff you know where i have more time to to be able to go and do that so i I think that's i think that's pretty cool yeah and don't get me wrong like if i had unlimited time i'd probably never hunt i shouldn't say that some areas absolutely love hunting but i'd probably never hunt the same area you know or very infrequently have the same area twice i'd just go to new spots and check out new areas and like that's kind of what we try to do normally um i actually ended up hunting more uh probably more in the same in areas i've been in in the past during this than i figured i would um but this is just how it happened so you know yeah. it is what it is like um but but I would say it would have been more of a challenge if I like I set a parameter that I wasn't going to kill a turkey where I hadn't scouted or been turkey hunted before. That would make it a lot more challenging. Yeah. Um, what I, what hunt? I'm trying was to think that? if I could even do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It would be hard. What was that hunt? I was watching last night of you where uh use the terrain really well uh where you had to like kind of crawl up and let you were laying down on this bank and those birds like came up over and there was like a flap i don't know what it was like an old landing or something yeah you know that was about? that was that new york adirondack hunt in that area that was like excavated okay. and cleared so yeah it was weird it was like a weird it wasn't like native ground it had been worked or something i don't know what they yeah. had cleared he had he had logged some stuff um you, you could tell that they ripped stumps and uh, they had cleared a road. It was just kind of like a almost imagine if they had cleared for like a development, like a house lot, right? Like, and then you went in before they built anything or dug foundations. That's kind of what it looked like. It was like there was some sandy stuff. And I think that his, the, the guy's kids whose permission, you know, who I had permission on or got permission that night before had like, you know, dirt bikes and they drove that around too. So it kept like the vegetation down, like, um, it actually kind of a rugged, rough, dare I say, ugly looking, you know, landscape to be honest, but the, that's where the turkeys were. So, um, yeah. yeah. And that's what, you know, that was, that was a crazy one because those birds knew where they wanted to go. And I kind of, after a while knew where they wanted to go and they were gobbling hard, but they didn't, I was in the, in the timber and they were kind of out in this whole area I'm talking about. And they were moving to like the biggest open area and I knew they were going there and they gobble hard and like it was crazy, but I had to like get to that. And that's where that burn brought me up to. I was able to like get right up to the edge. We actually had them 
probably five yards away and I just couldn't shoot them. Like we called them into five yards and then they were just like up this berm and I couldn't see over it. And they were there. I mean, I could hear them drumming and walking and their, their tips of their wings dragging on the ground when they were strutting, but like I couldn't do anything. But finally they had worked off to maybe 20 or 30 yards and we slowly crawled up to the, you know, up to that berm so we could actually get a shot at them. But I mean, they would have had to like come and like, you know, peer down over that berm to, for us to get a shot without us moving up. But Terrain's a big one. We use that to, you know, I use the terrain or the foliage or whatever I can to get close to turkeys. The closer you get, the more, the better chance you're going to have of them being curious or just happen to turn around and just drift towards you within gun range. So my, my strategy is always get as close as you possibly can before you call, uh, other than if you strike one, right. But you don't know where they are. So that's a little different, but yeah, I'm always, if I know where bird is, I want to get as close as I can to that turkey before I start to try to call him in. Um, and then just try to get where I think he wants to go, or it's going to be easy for him to move. You know, um, that could be a variety of different things. It could be like a flat ridge top. I want to get on the same ridge as him. So it's easy for him just to slide down the ridge or, you know, if it's in a, an open field or a clearing, I want to get on the edge of that. Cause I know it's, he probably isn't going to want to come out of that clearing and go in the woods looking for a call. So you know, I'll use the train and then, you know, try to anticipate where he's going to go or want to be. Um, that's my two, like, biggest things. It's like, okay, a turkey's here. What am I going to do next? Well, I'm going to get as close as I can and then try to get in front of him or where I think he's a, a callable place. Like you're, a lot of times if you're – you could be within 50 yards of a turkey, but if it's all thick and he's up above you and he's in an open area, he's not coming down through a bunch of thick stuff to get to you in the woods, right? He's going to stay <laughs> yeah. up high. He expects the hen to come to him. So it's a better strategy to get where he wants to be or where he's gonna, easily going to go um, rather than to call him through a bunch of crap. So, Well, I'm shooting a new bow this year, and I am pumped. After playing around with the buddies Hoy RX-8, the smile on my face made the decision for me. The first thing I noticed with the new Hoyts were their extremely smooth draw cycles and the ability to adjust the back wall to make it rock solid like I prefer. I outfitted my own RX-8 with the inline accessories that made installation extremely easy and balanced out the bow. My favorite accessory so far is a simple one. It's the Ghost Sticks 2.0 adjustable legs to make your bow like a tripod, but it doesn't interfere with any part of the bow or the limbs or anything like that. In addition, the integrated kickstand within the HBX exact cams protect your string from excess wear when you put your cam into the dirt. Ground hunting or spot and stock just got easier. If you want to experience what I'm talking about, head to your nearest Hoyt dealer and take a test drive yourself. You can learn more at Hoyt.com. The Mobile Hunters Expo is a consumer-based hunting show unlike any other. It provides an interactive learning experience where you can try all things mobile hunting and learn from the best in the business. Come experience an unbiased, community-based environment where you can improve your hunting skills and find the right equipment for your needs. I'll be speaking at the Nor'easter Show in Mannheim, Pennsylvania at Spooky Nook Sports from August 9th to 11th, 2024. So come check it out or either of the other shows in uh, Michigan and Georgia. You can purchase tickets online at themobilehuntersexpo.com or grab tickets at the door. I'll see you there. Yeah. I mean, the 
the terrain the terrain can play such a a, a big role in like I, I like hunting turkeys in areas with terrain more than flatter oh, yeah. country because I I feel like like you said you can get closer mm-hmm. to them um and be in kind of a setup or kind of understand you know potentially where they're gonna go yep. or where they want to go just based off of looking at the terrain for sure the 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 more terrain uh, features more edges the more predictable they're going to be it's just like a deer right so yeah um yeah you can kind of see like oh well he's down this logging road like i can probably call him up the logging road i'm not going to try to call him down through this you know thick cut <laughs> downhill um you know if he's he's on the side of a ridge or on the point of a ridge well i'm going to get on the same level with him on the ridge and he's just gonna he can really easily just slide up or down the ridge to me or you know or along the top or whatever um so yeah terrain is huge i mean that's you got to be paying attention if you want to kill a bunch of turkeys to what, you know, the terrain's doing and, and how do you, you know, pay attention to how they use it and how you can use it to your advantage to get close. But I, I totally agree. Like my favorite stuff to hunt is like super ridgy country for sure. Cause you can get, yeah. you know, really close. A lot of times you can move on birds too. Like, you know, if you're in a big wide open area, it's so hard to move on them, right? You can almost make a giant, like half mile, mile loop to get to where you want to get, where if you're in really ridgy stuff, you may only have to, you know, do a two, 300 yard loop to get on the other side of him, And he won't be able to see it because maybe you drop elevation or you put a ridge in between you or him or, or whatever. So yeah. Yeah. Terrain is awesome. Do you, how do you, what do you think about with traveling to these States and stuff? How do you think the Turkey populations were doing in the areas that you were at? So I think that it was, it's regionally dependent within the state. So I think it's tough for, you know, you hear it all the time with, any game, you get two guys in the same state with totally different, you know, uh, perceptions yeah. of how their population is. So obviously it's, it's localized a lot of the time, but I'll say that most of the areas I hunted had strong Turkey populations. Um, Maine has a strong population throughout the areas that they inhabit. Northern Maine doesn't have hardly any turkeys, but it's like, it's not turkey habitat. It's like dense spruce timber. So that's not really great turkey habitat. And it's super cold up there and they get so much snow, snowfall. Um, you know, I see the density of turkeys diminish the further north you go. Um, but they still have strong populations up there. They also have less hunting pressure. Um, there's less people. So I think it kind of all evens out. Um, yeah. It seems that the areas in the Northeast that can sustain the least amount of harvest have the least amount of turkey hunters and the places that can stay in the most harvest have the most people. Um, you know, turkeys love to hang out at least in my experience, you know, near houses, near fields, near farms, near any open area with like a divergence of habitat. And, um, they don't like super thick stuff for the most part. So some of these cuts that we talk about for deer aren't super productive for turkeys because they just don't like to be in a thick, nasty cut. They like to be in open areas. So that's kind of one of the biggest differences I see. I don't find a ton of turkeys in these high elevation, like deer spots that I, um, I wish that I did cause I love it up there, but, and you can find birds in that country. You will, but it's like, you could go two or three days before you hear one. Whereas like if I drop lower and get into some more, you know, conducive Turkey habitat, I might find five in a day. Um, but yeah, they're all pretty good. I'd, I mean, I'm trying to think, you know, if I were to get into different areas of PA, I know the t- population isn't great there. You know, Western New York, you know, the population isn't great. Um, but the areas of the states that I was in, the population is good. And I think in many instances, probably still growing. 
um, uh, especially in like the, the northern pop. northern New Hampshire. Or, I'm sorry, northern not New Hampshire, northern New England, northern New York, like those northern latitudes of the Northeast. I think the population is is actually increasing. Um, you know, it's a it's a stark difference from what you see down south. So, you know, I, I always struggle because you know people see us killing so many turkeys up here and you know like me like how many i killed last year and it's like yeah but we're hunting in areas that have a lot of turkeys and the population is still growing it's not on the decline so you know we don't have to show as much restraint you know because there's stuff that's legal and there's stuff that you know like i know in alabama you kill five turkeys or four you used to be able to kill five and it's like man i don't know if people should be killing four turkeys on some of these you know areas that they're hunting because the population's down same with the you know mississippi and Louisiana, all these southern states, it's the the population is decreasing, um, and you're seeing states start to regulate because of it. But like they're making bag limits, seasons, weapons, they're more li- they're becoming increasingly more liberal in the Northeast. You know, New Hampshire just extended its ex- season, made more shot and calibers legal. In Maine, you can hunt all day. They just increased the bag limit to like five turkeys in the fall. Um, Connecticut, they increased the limit i think to five and you can hunt all day now or you never could before um so you know it just depends on where you're at but i'd say in general the areas i hunted a very strong turkey population that's why and another reason we felt comfortable doing this we wouldn't be doing trying to yeah you know shoot as many turkeys as we did in areas that were struggling like i don't i don't like that at all personally like i'm even in new hampshire like when i can kill three bucks and i don't know that i've ever killed more than two and that it has been a long time since i've killed two bucks um, not only because it's super hard, but I just feel good because there's not many deer about killing that man. I don't feel like I need to, or really have the desire. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think, and I, I kind of asked that question in a leading way because, you know, you hear so much about like Turkey population struggling and at least from what I've seen, it's like the same thing with deer. It's very regionalized and it's like, you know, and it's tough for States to make regulations based off different areas. It's always changing. It Mm kind of comes down to the hunter being able to recognize that and, you know, make a determination on their own, what they feel like what you're seeing for me in Pennsylvania, you know, there's areas you could drive an hour from me and be, have so many turkeys. It's incredible. And then you could go right. right where I'm at. There's not that many. So it's like, I, I, uh, I, I used to fill two turkey tags a year in the spring. And now I won't, if I shoot one, I don't go out you know, I'm not going to try to shoot another one because I don't feel good about it. And that's just my personal preference on the, what I'm seeing in the area. And the same thing goes with deer, you know, like yeah. there'll be certain areas that I don't want to shoot does in because it's so bad already where I know I can go somewhere else and it's not as big of a deal. And I think, right. I think that's, yeah. it's, but it's really hard to like put a blanket across everything and say like, Oh, this is, is decreasing. It's, yeah. And a lot of people just know their situation and don't see everything that, I see in the area so that I actually have had people were kind of upset with me because of this. And I can get, I understand that perspective, but I just, you know, tell everybody like, Hey, we use a lot of discretion here and restraint and you know, the areas you see us killing multiple turkeys, it's because the population is really strong in that pocket. Um, whether it be that County or that unit or that, you know, region of the state, you know, some, there's some States even that the population is really strong throughout the whole state. So, um, and, and I think New York's a good example of that. Like the Eastern half has a pretty good population. I mean, the Adirondacks is not crawling with turkeys, but there's a strong population that doesn't, you know, get a, it gets pressured, but it can sustain the pressure. Western New York is really 
down. Um, I didn't, I don't, and I don't hunt in those areas, honestly. Like I don't, I try to stay away from them because, you know, the population isn't doing well. And even regional, or I won't even say, say on the neighborhood level in New Hampshire, you know, I have a lot of people that come and hunt in New Hampshire and I will literally rotate neighborhoods where we hunt year to year. Like if we kill like three, four, five birds in, in an area, I'm like, we're not going to go back there this year. We're going to go. And I'll, I'll even tell people sometimes I'll be like, you can kill that come up. I'm like, you can kill your first Turkey here, but then you gotta, you gotta be at least 10 miles away for your ter- second Turkey because we don't want to do that. So we're, we try to show restraint and regulate ourselves, you know, more so than the state even would. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, some of these areas in Maine, like we killed, I think three in like 10 minutes in Maine. I mean, that place is crawling with turkeys. That whole region yeah. is just, there's a ton of them, but like, I'm not going to go up to, you know, for example, Northern Vermont or New Hampshire, where there's a, a healthy population, but it's not high. I'm not going to go there and, you know, fill all my tags. And actually, now I think about it, you can't even in New Hampshire, you can't shoot, you can't go up to Northern Hampshire and shoot two turkeys. You can only shoot one in the Northern part of the state. So we try to, you know, show restraint and discretion when we do this. Yeah. It's not like we're just running around killing turkeys and on everywhere. And like, for example, I know, you know, um, our guys are John and Cody and Jake are down South and, Alabama, Mississippi right now. And they're like, they just killed a turkey on one farm that we have permission on. They're probably just going to back off the farm. They're not going to keep hunting it, even though they could legally, they could kill, kill more turkeys. So yeah, I, I, we definitely do that. And we don't ever want to see the population decrease up here. Um, you know, or it probably could decrease a little bit and we still have really good hunting. It's pretty high in some areas to be honest. Um, but it's, it's all regional and it depends, like it depends on the habitat depends on um the hunting pressure and you know the hatch that's a big thing too if it's at, we've had two or three years of a good hatch like you were talking about you've seen a ton of two-year-olds like two or three years of a good hatch can absolutely turn the whole population around like in a big way you could go from you know having you know you could almost quadruple the number of gobbling male turkeys on the landscape in a couple of years so we keep tr- track of that too like i was telling you well Oh, like, oh man, we saw like 15 Jakes in this one neighborhood last year. Well, we're going to probably hunt two-year-olds there the next year, you know, but it's like, we haven't seen any Jake. It was only like one or two birds and like, yeah, we probably won't go back there because we know that that area can't take the pressure. So we try to, because we're out there so much and we do fill a fair amount of tags, we try to spread it out and, and go to areas that can handle, handle the pressure. And, you know, I think as sportsmen, that's what we, sh- and that are stewards of the land and, and the resource, we should try to do that if we can, you know, um, I'm not going to tell a guy that's gets out one or two days a month to Turkey hunt where he should hunt. I think, you know, we leave areas like that for those guys, but you know, us that have the ability to hunt more and we're going to fill a bunch of tags. Yeah. We're going to do it in areas that can sustain that harvest. We're not going to do it in, in areas that, um, they can. And when we go down South and hunt, we we're like, we kill one turkey. We're like, all right, that's great. We're not going to, you are going to go to a different area, a different property. Like that's how we do it. Whereas in the Northeast, there's some areas that have so many, we don't care. You know, we're not worried about killing two, three, four of them in a little neighborhood. Um, I mean, I see some, I go for drives in some of these areas in the mornings. I'll see 25 long beards in an hour just driving around, <laughs> you know? So like, yeah. D- d- contrast that with some areas down South where you may not see one in a week, right? Driving around. It's a lot different. And so you have to, you have to, there's, there has to be some context there, I guess. And people yeah. have to understand, you know, what, it, what it's like. And, you know, we're the, we're benefiting from it right now. Um, a really strong per population in Northeast. I don't know if it'll always be like that. I can tell you that if it continues to regionally just decrease, 
we we won't kill as many turkeys. Absolutely, we won't. So yeah, I and 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 you know, I you hear or you see like people kind of bashing sometimes like those like like i haven't really seen you guys specifically but people on youtube that they're out there hunting going to multiple states you know whether it's the hunting public you guys or anybody else and saying like oh they don't care about the turkey populations but the thing is i i know just about everybody that's like offline like not know them as people and have conversations and it's like that is not the case like it's not just going around just trying to fill as many tags to get content and doing all this like one you're going around because you love hunting and you're going to do that but it's it's in a context where you're spending so much time out there you kind of understand how the populations are doing based on what you're seeing you know I'd even argue more so than sometimes seeing numbers, you know, that are, that's published because you're spending the time in the woods seeing that. And, and I think it's, it's thought about a lot more than people that are viewing on you viewing on the TV or on your computer, what, however you're consuming YouTube, but then they, then they understand, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I agree. And I, um, we, like I, I did get, you know, some negative feedback and have got, some for this and i understand where they're coming from you know they're just concerned about the resources we are so that's fine i appreciate their their intent but um yeah um they just have to understand that we're in areas that that can sustain it and that was honestly one of my biggest like qualms about even doing this is that people were thinking we're just trying to check you know states off and kill kill it's and you know, I I guess at the the root of it, and this is part of I, I I said it, and I don't I'll never do this again, because I just don't think it checking a state off and going and you know checking that punching attack punching attack. I don't think that's what turkey hunting should be about or any hunting really. Um, it was it was more in our mind just to let's see if we can get to all these states and see all these different areas in one season, um, because we're kind of almost doing it anyway. So let's like formalize and do it. That was what it is. Um, like. And one thing I realized is, for example, in Rhode Island, I mean, the, the population is, it's stable in Rhode Island. There's a ton, but I only, I, did, I killed one turkey around on the left. I didn't like, you cut I killed, can you kill two? I think you killed two. I didn't stick around and try to kill another one, right? There was some other birds around, but like, I'm like, I'd say out of all the areas in Rhode Island was probably the, the lowest population. It also took me the longest. And then I realized you know, halfway through, I'm like, I really don't want to hunt here anymore. <laughs> and, and it kind of made me hunting in some places. I didn't necessarily want to be in Rhode Island was kind of one of them. So that's why I won't do it again. But I didn't, it, yeah, I, I can see people's criticism. I can understand it. Um, and that was one of my biggest hesitations of doing this was like, oh, people are going to think that's all we're doing. And so we tried the best we could to spread it out on areas that have good populations. But like, yeah, I could have made it super challenging. I went to these areas with like low turkey populations and tried to kill turkeys. But it's like, it, it wasn't about that. It wasn't about being like, oh, look what I did and look at, you know, how many turkeys I killed. And like, I made it super hard. That's why I didn't try to only do it on public land. Like we just mixed it up and hunted how we would use discretion, used our, you know, whatever time we had and the information we had. And, and that's how it, that's how it went. Um, you know, so, and I think, you know, I love, I hunt a lot of public land for turkeys and for deer, but Man, if these guys that only want to hunt public land, um, and I can see the allure of it, but it's like that may not be the best thing ever because you're disproportionately putting. If you can hunt, you want to do it as a chat. Like I said, I understand it; I totally get it. But at the same time, you're putting a disproportionate number or amount of pressure on these public lands where 
you have a private piece you could hunt too where no one's even hunting and the you know there's an argument I think to be made that hey maybe you should spend some time on the private on the public too and take the pressure off these you know populations of of game on the public land so that's another side of it but once again you know I think a lot of these guys that are doing it uh, that way in hunting public are using discretion and hopefully not taking you know maybe you can kill three turkeys or three bucks on in one area well probably they're not going in and killing all the deer because they care about the public land too so there's there's multiple different i guess viewpoints and angles and you know no one really understands everyone else's situation um i think that as sports and if we can just do our best to be stewards of the land and the population we all care about it. We all want it to be there for the most part. I don't meet many people in my travels that like don't care about the population. I'm sure they're out there. You know, those are mainly called poachers. I don't care about the laws either a lot of the time. But um, yeah, I think, you know, there's state regulations and then there's the regulations that we put on ourselves and we should all be thinking about that for sure. Um, you know, what we're doing uh, and how that for us, you know, me and you guys that are just media stuff, like we should think about how that's perceived, but then also the guys that no one sees, like think how you're affecting like the land and the population because it is important. And, you know, these populations are, they're fragile um, for both deer and turkeys. We can see what like CWD um, or, well, EHD more importantly can do to a deer population and, you know, a couple crappy hatches and some poor habitat can do to a turkey population. So it's something we should be keeping in mind. Um, yeah. Like there's, there's, there's always the, you know, you have the regulations and you have the states that, that are doing their best to put in the laws and regulations to control those populations. But then it also comes down to us as the sportsmen yeah. to like, you know, have our own gut checks and figure out what, what makes sense or what we think makes sense. And is that always right? Probably not. But the, the idea is like having that in mind. And like you said, I think, I think the majority of us out there that are hunting have the, the, a good thing in mind. Like they, you know, if you're a half decent person, you kind of have that, uh, in mind and you want that for the future. I mean, if you want to even look at it from a selfish standpoint, you want to be able to continue to hunt and have these experiences for the future. So like, it really doesn't matter how you're looking at it as long as you have the same end end goal kind of in mind there. And and that's, that's just how, what I think. I think an important distinction to make, like we've talked about, is the difference between a state regulation and then, you know, self-regulation because it is near impossible for the state to regulate localized populations of game. You know, it just, it's impossible. They don't have the budget. They don't have the personnel. They just can't. It's, it's impossible. Um, and so the states, for the most part, I think are doing the best that they can. Um, you know, an example on the other side of it for me, I see more moose than I see deer where I hunt, but there's such limited moose tags. Like it's near impossible to draw. I think they give out 35 tags in the entire state. So there's 14,000 deer killed in New Hampshire every year and 35 moose, but I see more moose than deer where I hunt. So could the areas I hunt probably sustain more harvest? I think probably, but also maybe I'm in pockets of, you know, habitat that are better for moose. Um, you know, so maybe that's, but you know, I, I don't see the whole state and that's another thing where it's like anecdotal. I only see what I see and I'm like, man, the state should give them a moose tag, more moose tags. It's like, yeah, but if they give them more moose tags, then that's putting more pressure on the population in areas that can't sustain that pressure. So it goes both ways. And, you know, I, I would love to be able to draw a moose tag in some of the areas that I deer hunt, but they just don't give out many. 
in the state. So, um, you know, at least that end they're doing, they're being conservative with it. And, um, I think when it flips the other side where we are as sportsmen are feeling the populations are lower and we shouldn't be able to, you know, kill as many animals and have as many tags, we'll show some restraint and self-regulate. That's what I do for deer. I can, like I said, I can kill like five deer in New Hampshire and I rarely kill more than like a buck and a doe. So, um, and, and there's areas well, in New Hampshire that are I, overpopulated I, with deer too, right? So I'm not knocking people that are killing five or six deer in New Hampshire either because there's areas absolutely have a ton of deer. So um, you just have to keep that in mind. Yeah. Well, I I, uh, I I don't typically get in arguments over it, but I, I will have conversations with people locally that will be like, oh, you, oh, they're you know they're they're adding more doe tags. They're doing this like this. There's not enough deer, but yet those people are still buying all those excess doe tags and going out and filling them. Well, we might as well if someone else is going to shoot. Yeah. It's like that's not a real good attitude to have. Like and and again, the states can only do so much with the the information that you know they, they have a whole state to look at and yes there's people regionally but you can even go 10 miles down the road and have a completely different deer population right. or turkey population than you do here so that again that comes back to the self-regulation standpoint yeah and you, you got to have that in mind and you can't be complaining about it if you're not helping the situation totally agree totally agree with that that's that's the only way that we can really, in my opinion, make a difference is by kind of checking ourselves and each person making their own decisions, uh, you know, based off of what they're seeing. And that's and I think yeah, it's that's, another thing that's important to do is like if you are getting new hunters are involved or or youth hunters, you know, explain that to them and show them that because I think myself as a youth hunter, I didn't really, I had that was less on my mind than trying to fill tags and, and kill stuff. <laughs> um, yeah. So showing that restraint and showing that just because you can kill X amount of whatever, and you have this many tags, doesn't mean you should fill them all, or maybe it doesn't mean you should fill them all in a small area. Right. Um, so we've got to keep that in mind. I mean, there's areas of the country and, and different States that game populations are way too high. Um, and so it is appropriate to kill that many animals, but there's areas where they're not so high and you can still do it. So you just have to have to do it. And I think just like explaining that to people, you know, not confrontationally, but like, Hey, yeah, we haven't really been seeing many as whatever game we should, we, we try to back off on that harvest because we don't think that, you know, locally we're seeing what, what is represented in the state regulation. So, yeah. Um, yeah, we have to we have to be aware of it, and if we want to keep having you know good strong wildlife populations, we we really should try to self regulate. And I think that's something that's becoming more. I don't know. I hear more people doing that. You know, I feel like back when I was younger, it was just states as we can kill this many, so that's what we're going to do. So yeah, hopefully the tides <laughs> are turning. I I don't know. I think again, maybe it's uh, the people I surround myself with, but it seems like the tides are turning a little bit yeah, on that, I which is so. a good thing. Absolutely. But yeah, well, Brett, I appreciate you coming on and and talking to me about turkeys and, and just a whole bunch of other good stuff. I've been, been looking forward to, to getting you back on and, and chatting. And, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of fun to talk about something a little bit different than, than, you know, losing our minds chasing a particular whitetail. It is. It is. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, there's, it's, it's funny because I, Sometimes I, it's like, man, I like talk about with these you know, podcasts or whatever, deer, deer, deer. And it's like, sometimes I want to, um, 
I want to talk about like, you know, what we just talked about. That's an important aspect of it. It's, it's directly related to what we're talking about, but we don't get into it because we get so hung up on strategy and this and that. And it's important to talk about these things as well. And to be honest with you, like, it seems like anymore, that's more what I gravitate to for like content and for conversations and stuff about that, because it's interesting to me. Um, you know, as you're gaining knowledge and gaining skill, the strategy part of it um, is huge and super interesting. But when you kind of get to a certain skill level and knowledge level on, you know, particular pursuits, say it's turkeys or, you know, mountain bucks. Um, I love to talk about it. I think I'm wrong, but it's sometimes it's more exciting to talk about different things and, and focus on things that, you know, are maybe not talked about as much. And yeah, you know, we, you have a platform to make people aware of these things and get it out there. So, um, you know, it's important. I think sometimes we, we take the emphasis off of just like the strategy and how to kill, how to kill, how to be the most efficient killer. We, we can talk about that and we do talk about that, but we should, you know, always mix in, you know, a little bit of, of this end of it as well, because I think it's important and I'm, I'm interested in it. And I, you know, we're thinking about different ways to, uh, to use our platform to, to do that. And it's, it's, sometimes it's hard because people, a lot of people just don't want to hear about it. Yeah. <laughs> not, no. They're not there and that's fine. Like, and I, cause I've been there and I can appreciate that. Um, but you know, you get, hopefully everybody's getting to the point somewhere along their journey as a, as a hunter that they're, you know, really starting to worry about, not worry about, but be aware of game populations and the impact they have on them. And, and we as hunters have on them, whether it's the habitat or how many we shoot or public perception, whatever it is. So it's, they're important conversations to have. Um, and I think it, it particularly important for guys like me to do something like the Northeast slam and, you know, how that can be perceived. Um, we, we can't explain all this in a, you know, 15, 20 minute YouTube video. It's impossible. Yeah. So people are going to think what they're going to think. Um, and you know, this is good to be able to do that and explain that aspect of it. Um, I think some people like hearing this behind the scenes stuff and like how it goes on because you only get so much uh, in a video, right? So the podcasts, yeah. um, are good. And you know, we didn't really talk that much Turkey strategy. We talked a little bit, but um, you know, it's good to good good to have those types of conversations. No, and then, and I think my intention, like with this, was like was not to go so much into the strategy, but like yeah. understanding the opportunity and then right. understanding the background behind it. And like, it could, I know I get caught up in strategy and talking about it because I love it. Like I love and I love picking people's brains and doing that. But I think like I'm trying to get more of a mixture in there. And like as I'm growing as a, a hunter and like seeing other things that I think are important as far as like access, you know, we hear of, I don't see it as much in the East as far as the hunting pressure mm -hmm. problem as much, but like, as you start seeing that out West and that's, you know, you, you see that in, in a bunch of places, it's like, okay, how can we improve access? Cause you know, I don't think reducing hunter numbers is the answer, but like, how can you do that? And I, and I don't have an answer, but I'm just saying like, these are the things that I'm thinking about and trying to understand, you know, a broader picture of us as, as hunters in our future, more so than just always being directly involved with tactics and and i've also right. learned from starting to put more uh hunting stuff on youtube as far as filming the hunts how easily things can be perceived incorrectly or like me so not <laughs> it's so it's so hard like or not, me not explaining something exactly how i'm thinking or how why i'm doing something in a way like because like there's a, the aspect of like putting things out and it's got to be entertaining and keeping people involved in it but you also want to get the background on why you're doing something. So it's like, oh, why did someone, you know, shoot this far? Why did they do this? Like, you know, or there's there's always a background to it. It's just sometimes it 
and you can't make everybody happy, but I'm trying to do better. Like even with like the podcast and stuff of like really trying to, um, either whether pull it out of the gas or myself kind of explain thought processes. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's great. And you're, you're spot on with that. We run into that so much with our videos where, you know, we see a bunch of comments on something and we're like, why are they saying that? Like, I don't, we don't, and it's like, oh, well, they don't have the context that we do because we lived it and we know the situation. And so they're perceiving it, you know, at face value and they're going, oh, we don't like that. And it's like, oh, okay, I, I get it. And it's like, but how do you, <laughs> it's just like a catch 22 because if every, everybody was 40 minutes explaining every detail, well, no one would watch it. If it was, I mean, some, they, some people will, but the majority of yeah. people will drop off before it gets to 40 minutes to the point where they retain the information they need to make the judgment of what we're doing. Right. <laughs> so we don't do that, but then we try to put it in and keep it so it's watchable. And then the people inevitably don't understand and just think, you know, perceive what we're doing totally different than what it is. And we get it all the time. And that's one of the biggest things that we struggle with is like, what do we, what's this, should we leave this into the video? Should we explain this? Like, this doesn't look great. Should we even post this video? Even though like everything's, legit and, and and i think if people in our situation they would be completely fine with what we're doing but man it's that's one of the our biggest challenges is trying to reg, like regulate what we put out there and 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 decide you know what to put out how much information to put out and then it gets to the point where it's like sometimes we don't want to give all the information because it's there's other things at play there right you know we're maybe trying to protect a spot or, you know, protect whatever you There just may be stuff in there. We don't want everybody to know about. And it's not like it's malicious or like we're hiding something, but it's just something we'd rather not. So it, yeah, it's a, it's a huge challenge. Yeah. I think that's, <laughs> it, but it causes a you a lot of problems exactly. if you're not, yeah, if you don't explain it and you're not hundred percent transparent about every single thing, everybody's always going to have something to say about it. So, and sometimes it's warranted and sometimes people just don't understand. So, you know, you try to yeah. give them the benefit of the doubt that they're not just an internet troll trying to, give you a hard time, but there's plenty of them out there as well. So <laughs> you just never know. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's exactly right, man. I, I don't, I don't, I definitely don't have the right answer for it. Cause I feel like I end up on the wrong end of the stick a lot of times and, and not sure like, is this worth responding to explaining? Yeah. Or is this person just being an asshole? Like, I yeah. don't know. Like I can't, yeah. <laughs> I can't tell, but, uh, and it is what it is. I mean, that's what we get. We're putting ourselves out there. So just, you know, got to yeah, understand that's it. a part of it. You know, it'd be, it would be easier, um, you know, back in the, I, I don't know, maybe not easier because back in the, you know, the original TV days, you know, especially like, like the, say the hunting spot thing, it's like, okay, they have a lot of, you know, giant private access land that they own. Um, and, and there's be able no to, comments on TV. You can't comment on your TV. Yeah. Show, right? And you can't <laughs> comment on it. And it's like, I don't know. I, I could go a million different directions with that. And it's like, and someone, someone got on my shit the other day. I was on a podcast on somebody else's. And I said, I said, hunting in Pennsylvania, like where I'm hunting, I said, it's not harder than anywhere else. It's different. And what I meant by that is like, and everyone's like, what do you mean? Pennsylvania is super hard. Like blah, blah, blah. Why would you say that? And it's like, okay. Yeah. They're like, you know, you look at someone like Lee Lakoski and it's like, okay, yeah, he's got all this private property, beautiful land, but you know how hard that guy worked to get to that point and all the you know, land you know how hard like to all that make is the to money. Manage? Yeah. You know the manage all that? that guy has with neighbors and people that are upset that he bought the land and the, like he's got, so it's all challenging. It's just different. Like Dude, I even look at exactly. some of the, the, I do, I'm not a huge, I shouldn't say that. 
I don't enjoy uh, myself suburban type hunting. Um, It's too stressful for me with so much stuff going on and like I'm worried about everything and everybody. um, I just don't enjoy it, right? But there's people that do it that like, you know, uh, like Lee, Lee Ellis, right? I know you know friends with Lee. He's a freaking master at that and he's so good at it. And he knows how to to navigate those situations to be successful. I could never do that because it stresses me out too much to deal with that set of a challenge. Like, you know, I know I, I'm not, and I'm not saying that the deer that Lee hunt are easy. They're not easy, but I think that some aspects of the deer hunt are probably easier than other situations. But the the aspects he has to deal with are so much more challenging than like you know public land in the mountains where you don't have to talk to anybody. You don't have to see anybody. Like sometimes just go up and hunt. You know, that's, you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. It, that's almost easier than what he's doing. And you could make the argument that, you know, it, so everybody's in a different yes. situation and they have to realize that. Um, and, and it's not about, I don't even know why we go down this conversation of what's easier or harder. No, it does it matter. even matter if it's easier yeah. or harder? Just do what you want to do. Like, that's the thing. And like, that's coming from a guy that, I mean, I would say, I'll say this. I think New England is, is probably the hardest place in the country on deer. But guess where I've never hunted and don't even want to hunt once again is like the deep south, like Florida. That seems like really hard too. And like, that's a whole different thing. And so I can't even say that it's the hardest because I've never hunted down there and I don't even really want to. So, but does it matter? Like, once again, does it matter? I know that what I'm doing is a challenge and I enjoy it. And that's really all that matters. If you enjoy what you're doing, it doesn't matter how hard it is. As long as you're doing, you know, you're hopefully being aware of the resource and, you know, you're doing things legally, who cares? If you're having a good time and you're getting what you want out of it, who cares how hard it is? Like, yeah. you know, that's, that's, uh, I don't know. We get so caught up on this thing and I'm kind of losing my patience with the whole thing of like oh this guy's a better hunt i'm like what there this guy's you know just he's the best big buck killer he's the best public land hunter he's it's like oh my god like really it's like how can you even compare these people like everybody is in a way different situation not only the land they hunt but the position they're in financially their family they're they're professionally like the time that they have you know physically there's everybody's you know this isn't it's it's not a, a sport in the pure sense that football and baseball and boxing and wrestling or, you know, basketball. It's not that like, we don't have a playing field with set rules and parameters. We have regulations from, from the States um, that we have to follow, but there's so much gray area within there that, you know, people put on themselves that you can't, it's not a competition. It's, there's no best at anything. Like everybody's just doing something differently. Yes. There are good hunters. There are experienced hunters that are more successful and probably would be successful in many different circumstances. But to say that something's harder than something else, it's just different. Like you said, exactly right. It's just different. It's a different thing. Um, yeah. And I, I'm really getting kind of irritated with hearing. I, we're guilty of it in the Northeast. We think that, you know, we hunt low deer density in big woods and we're, you know, better than these hunters in, you know, Texas that are hunting ranches over Sendero with a rifle and corn. It's like, hey, I guarantee those guys that are tracking up in Northern Maine that they've been doing it for generations. If they grew up in South Texas, they'd be hunting deer like that too. And they'd think that that was the way to hunt. So, um, you know, I just get, man, we just have to try to lose this whole thing. It's like, if you're spending time in the outdoors and you're happy with what you're doing, you're having the experience you want. It doesn't matter how hard it is. Who's the best, like how, whatever, just let people do it. Like 
obviously, if we're getting to the point where things are illegal or abusing a resource, or um, that's different. But yeah, man, people yeah. are it's getting it's, crazy. It comes down to ego, man. Like we all have egos, and that's like without being able to control, like because it, it comes. I believe most of it comes from jealousy. Like you see somebody that's killing a big buck here or there, and it's like, oh well, he's got this, and it's like, well, why does that even need to be said? Like, it, there's you, you can't you can't justify it. Like, it's funny because I've hunted with Lee Ellis, and and I joke with him. I said, dude, I want no freaking part of what you're doing. Like, I that stresses me out to an me absolute either. no end in the freaking amount of work he goes and knocking on doors and figuring out how to get permission and doing all this stuff. That's a whole nother aspect. Yeah, maybe he doesn't have to walk two miles into a right. tree, but right. that's a I'd rather do that me give too. me that 100%. in the dark with the bears and the coyotes yeah. everything that you want versus having to go knock on a door and have some lady screaming at me call me an animal killer like i i want well, nothing to do with that one of the <laughs> things that i hate the most is waiting for people to like respond to me about something like to get back to me like i need to get permission or i need to get like talk to this guy i, I hate when people don't get back to me quickly so like, I feel like that's all that is, is just waiting for people to get back to you. And I'm like, that sounds like a freaking nightmare. I don't want anything to do with that. Like, I don't want to have to talk to this guy and ask about this and worry about the neighbor and, you know, don't know oh, it's dark now. So don't use a flashlight. Cause this guy's going to see you. And like, it's like, we're all legal, but, oh, man, that stuff gets really stressful. And like, I don't, I mean, that stuff, especially as I get older, I just don't want to deal with any, I want to be alone. So the guys that are doing that, like if you call them, if you think those that's easy, well, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know how that's easy. <laughs> Doesn't seem easy to me. So <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. Um, there's just, everybody has a different situation. I just think it would be so much better off if we just realized that and saw it from other people's perspective of what went into it. Like I, I can tell you there's people that like, okay, you want Lee's farms, Lee Lukowski's farms, go take his farms, go take Mark Drury's farms or whoever's farms, right? Here they are. What are you going to do with yep. them now? Like, you know how much shit you got to pay taxes. You got to manage the habitat. You got to talk to the farmer. You got to talk to the forester. You have to talk to your real estate agent. You have to talk to the bank. You have to talk to your farmhand. You got to fix a tractor. You got to make sure shit's ordered on time so that you can plant your bean field. Like, there's so many things that people don't even think about. It's like, oh, if I had that. Well, it's, yeah, but there's so much that goes into it that's super challenging. It's like, that's challenging too, but in a different way. There's different challenges and people enjoy different challenges in the outdoors. And it doesn't matter what challenge. I mean, you know what's a freaking challenge? Trying to trying to own a go try to buy a thousand acres. Well, I don't have the money. Okay. Well, I, I guarantee most of these guys didn't either when they started. That was a challenge. They worked their butt off to make the money to be able to get these land. That was the challenge to them. You know, that's a big part of it to them is to get to the place where they can go into a food plot on a Northwest wind and a cold front and have 190 inch deer stand at 20 yards. They did all the work. The challenging part was getting to that moment. Actually the act of killing that deer. Was that a huge giant challenge? Probably not the same as some other scenarios. And, but, but getting to that point and putting them in that situation was the, is the challenge to them. So everybody, and I can see that because I've, you know, hunted some really good areas, really good properties, but I've also had a terrible public land. I've, you just, if we could just step back and look at it, you know, objectively would realize that we're all trying to get the same experience. We're, most people like a challenge and they want to have a rich and good experience in the outdoors. And however you get that is up to you. And it doesn't mean because you do it's different than someone else that they're worse than you or better than you or it does that that's it's not a 
It's not a, it's, it's not like we're playing golf here and, you know, whoever has the lowest score wins. It's not like, it's not what this is. <laughs> There's no level yeah. playing field. So hold on just a sec, Bo. Okay. Yep. One minute and I'm All leaving. Right, no problem. I walk out. Okay. Hey, sorry. You're All good. Go. I think we're wrapping um, up anyway. So, yeah. No, I'm glad we I'm glad we went into that at the end. I wasn't uh that there wasn't I wouldn't say necessarily my intention to go down that route as as deep as we did, but I'm really glad that we did because that's been something that's been kind of bothering me a little bit. And and I know it's even to my own fault at times where, where is, you know yeah. I talk I about agree. a specific thing and like or I'm like, "Oh, you know, or I say all the time hunting public or whatever." It's like it doesn't matter. It, no, yeah, maybe yeah, that's I, what I like. To, that's what I like to do. But it's like I need to do a better job of just like, again, not trying to make I'm, everybody happy, but trying not to, trying everybody not to freaking fight with each other about it. Yeah, no, there's I mean, no no benefit in that. No, I, I and I totally agree. I've been like thinking about this stuff too, and you know, um, that's why part of the reason why I struggled, you know, with this slam, and it took us. This has been an idea for like five years, but I was like, I don't know about doing it and what people will think and all this stuff. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's a good conversation to have. And, you know, I think we just made what's the goal to go out, have a good time, have strong turkey populations, have good access so we can share the outdoors with our family and friends and the people we care about. Um, and, you know, for a lot of us, it's to challenge ourselves. So as long as we're doing that, what does it really matter what the next guy's doing? Uh, or how you do it. Yep. I don't think so. I don't think it matters at all. So, you know, nope. I, I totally, hopefully yeah. we can start to well, see other perspectives because <laughs> if not, we're going to yes. be in for a long road. I feel like, especially since everything's out there for everybody. Information's so easy to get. Everybody knows what everybody else is doing for the most part. Sometimes I just want to, I'm sure you get this way too. shut off your phone and your computer and just not talk to anybody for a period and not go do anything <laughs> on social media. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yes, I know. I uh, I definitely go through those periods. But with that being said, everyone definitely go check out Just Hunt Club on YouTube, and you can watch Brett do the hardest thing out there. With uh, no, <laughs> yeah. I'm j- joking. No, but go go watch uh, the videos. Uh, his slam last year, bunch of mountain buck content. Uh, I've said it in the past. Like these guys hunting northeast, similar to what a lot of us are in Pennsylvania. And uh, a lot of really good, great content there. Just Hunt Club everywhere. Brett Joy on Instagram. Look, I just did your marketing for you. Perfect. I don't have to do it. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks. All right. Again, thanks Brett. for having really me, Bo. I appreciate, appreciate it. On. Awesome. Yep. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.